Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. And on today's episode, we have the guys from NC Fit, Gabe Yanez and Matt Daly Valley. We are doing our first ever Effort Weekly episode. We're going to be doing these episodes every single week to dive into different subjects. You know, MDV, Gabe, myself, we're obviously really into fitness. And oftentimes on social, that's a lot of what we share. But there's more to it than that. And when we sit down and we chat, we chat about a variety of different subjects, and we want to pull you guys in to those conversations. Today, we talk about culture, we talk about leadership, we talk about customer service and hiring. I hope you guys enjoy these episodes where you get to know us a little bit better on more of a human level. If you do, please rate it, review it, share it, and send us a message. Send us a message online. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about so we can share insight, and we'll be doing Q&A episodes in the future. Now, Without any further ado, let's dive into an incredible episode of our first ever Effort Weekly episode. Let's go. Did you guys get the massive uh, recording in progress on the on the screen? We did. We did. Right I wonder if Zoom. I wonder if Zoom got in trouble, and that's what made them made them put that in oh i imagine yeah people said oh i didn't know i was getting recorded or or whatnot and then yeah so they put this giant warning sign now there are certain states in which you have to uh if you are recording a conversation you have to let the other party know that you're recording the conversation it makes sense it does make um, sense yeah, let's let's kick this off. I'm I'm pumped pumped that we set this up. I know it's you know busy schedule, so I hope we do this more often. But you know we got the three three guys of NC Fit here for this podcast. Effort over everything. I have a couple things I want to talk about. Um, so why don't we just kick it off, bro? Jay, let's kick it off. Jay, you were just on Andy Frisella's Real AF podcast, man. I listened to that from beginning to end. That was. It was good, man. But man, I, I thought you handled it well. They, they had some, you know, tough, uncomfortable questions. How was it to like, you know, as they're talking, what's, what's going through your head? Because um, you know that they're going to start asking these questions that are uncomfortable. Oh, they're super uncomfortable. I mean, I'm, I'm actually really happy I did it because it got me out of my comfort zone. You know, we talk about this idea of like getting a little uncomfortable. And that was an example of, you know, I think we talk about it in terms of like workouts and this and that. But uh, in that particular case, when you're on a major platform, I mean, they get millions of downloads and you're in a room where you know your viewpoints are slightly different, um, but not as far off as some people would think. Um, I knew that going into it, it was going to be a, an interesting conversation and surely it was. I, I just, I really tried to hold myself to this idea that I'm going to go in there and just speak the way I feel and my truth. And if someone likes it, great. If they don't like it, that's fine too. But these are the way I, this is the way I feel, you know, like vaccinated, unvaccinated, et cetera. Um, but I thought overall the feedback we got, I mean, I got hundreds and hundreds of messages from people that said they really appreciated the conversation because right now people aren't really talking as much. They're just kind of yelling at each other. But when you actually start having a conversation, you realize you probably have more in common than you think. And so I thought that was a good example of that. I haven't listened to it just yet. Uh, we'll listen to it later on today. But what was what was one of the questions that they asked you that didn't put you on your heels, but was a little bit uncomfortable? What was one of them? Uh, I'll give you a really good example. So my wife hosts a annual fundraiser called Ava's Kitchen, and for me, you know, that's not business. That's super personal to us, and um, we try and raise money for kids fighting cancer. And that event is held at the 49ers Stadium. 
with Michael Mina and Sal Frazella had been there in the past and he's a great guest uh, and, and, you know, does a lot for the organization. And he was saying like, Hey, if there's a vaccine mandate in, in, in effect, are you not going to let me in because I'm not vaccinated? And that put me in a really uncomfortable position because I care for him. I would allow him at my house any day of the week. But if the, if the Niner stadium has rules and regulations against that and the restaurant does as well, you know, there's also this idea that, you know, if we, there's this concept that we chose as an organization to abide by state and county laws, we may agree or disagree with them, but we've decided that that's the line we've drawn. And I think that if we're going to stick to that, then we got to kind of abide by it. And if we don't like the rules that are being in place, we should then look for new, you know, new leadership in those positions. But if that is the case for the 49ers stadium, we kind of need to abide by it. But it got really awkward because dude, I don't want to tell my friend that he can't go because he doesn't have a vaccine. That's weird. Um, and, and that's, and, and, and I think people should have the choice if they want to get it or not. That's my opinion. Um, but if the, but if the restaurant has a rule and we're going to put them with more liability and more risk in it, that was an awkward part of the conversation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's complicated, man. And I, I feel for you in that situation because you have obviously a very close personal relationship with Sal and he's got a set of beliefs and you know, you have another obligation to the organization that you're raising money for. And, you know, you have this location with this crew that you've worked with over years and built a relationship with them. And, you know, I think for me, like in this, this is where I come down to in in a lot of these conversations is that like the state and local federal government have pushed all of these conflicts down to the lowest common denominator. They push it all down to the, to the people at the end of the equation, making the decisions as opposed to, and putting the onus on those people to say, Hey, you're my friend. You can't come to this because there's a rule that says you have to have X, Y, or Z. It's just, uh, it's unfortunate, you know, and I think that it, it could have been handled a little bit differently and hindsight's always 2020, but yeah, that that's a difficult question to answer. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your full response on the show. Yeah. I mean, the feedback we got from people who are, you know, right, left, middle, whatever, was that at least, you know, Andy's a very um, passionate, strong leader and being in a room with him, he's very powerful in his conviction and he's really good at what he does. Phenomenal motivator. Um, when you're in a room and you, you, you maybe are asking questions, I think what the listeners like is that I had a few questions for him and I had a slightly different viewpoint and that that was okay. You know, like Sal and I were sitting next to each other and I, you know, we, we kind of like, we're joking. Sal's like, I'm unvaccinated. I'm like, I'm vaccinated. And look, we can still be friends. And like, it's okay. So that was a, those were some of the big takeaways from the talk. And, but, uh, you know, for me, it did help me get outside my shell a little bit. Um, just because I try and stay away from all those subjects. And I didn't get too far down the rabbit hole with them. Um, but it opened me up to be more comfortable. If that conversation came up again, I'd be willing to have it again, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you did a good job. Um, and I think it was a really interesting conversation. So highly encourage you guys to check out Real AF with Andy Frisella, the episode that Jason was on. You know, that was my big takeaway is I thought it was cool that, you know, you guys are really close friends, you spend some time at their HQ. And you don't see eye to eye about something that's really polarizing and people are, are, are really split on, but you were able to have, you know, a, a two and a half hour conversation. I think both sides got a lot of productive insights from the other side. Um, and it was just nice to see that conversation be able to happen. And at the end, you know, everyone was okay. And you guys are obviously still really good friends. And I thought that was powerful. 
The other piece that I really took away from that podcast that I thought was cool is, you know, Sandy, um, Andy and Sal, um, you know, they own a, a supplement company and that podcast wasn't about supplements. They mentioned it. They talked about it. They talked about 75 hard a little bit, but I love, you know, and we've been spending a lot of time talking about first form, their culture and a lot of things those guys are doing right. And I think that, you know, one really cool thing is how true they are to who they are and how that podcast is just about who is Andy, who is Sal, who are the faces behind this company. And that's what I want to do with the three of us on this show, hopefully more often is I want people that love NC Fit, follow NC Fit to be able to get to know MBB a little bit more and Jason a little bit more. And for us to talk about, you know, not necessarily just fitness and health all the time, but maybe some things that we're super passionate about that kind of bring the light to, to who we are um, and hopefully bring some people in the organization that aren't just us three and really add some personality. Cause I think that that's what they do really well. And I think that's why first form has, you know, this culture and this following that we have, which is, you know, why I thought that webinar that we had with Sal was so, so, so good. And I think we got some really good takeaways from that stuff. Um, and I know that we're going to be going to first form, hopefully in November as a team, um, you know, Jay, what, what do you think, what do you think a, a really good takeaway would be from the team kind of heading out that way? And, and what have you learned from those guys and the time you spent there? I think the, the key for us is that from a business perspective of which we're specifically talking there, it's this idea that um, holding line attention and detail, I think is the, is the greatest way to look at it. And MDV and I were actually having this conversation yesterday about uh, people on the team and the attention and detail, because ultimately you live and die by, by, the, by the attention and detail on your particular product. And so for them, it might be, hey, is, it, is their product getting I don't know, infested with some type of whatever that's going to pop some drug list? Or is their product, is their ingredients not exactly what's on there? Um, but for us, it's our session plans, our programming, all the different tools we're putting out. Is there this attention to detail? And I think when you walk around their space, the attention and detail they've taken to their bathrooms, into their gym floor, into their way that they put the weights away in their locker rooms and everything from the top down. It's so, so, so simple. Hey, we're going to do everything the same way. It's going to have this attention and detail. Like for example, what Sal was talking about not pushing in your chair. And I think those are things that, that we need to continue to do more of. And it was a good learning lesson for me just to kind of like, just a little kick in the butt. Like, Hey man, just when you think you're doing okay, there's always something, somebody that's doing a little bit better. It's kind of like jujitsu. <laughs> I had the, the privilege of going out to first form a, a while back as well. And, you know, I saw a lot of the same things that Jason saw and saw, I had a lot of the same takeaways. Um, you know, the thing for me that stuck out, attention to detail is up there. And I, I think it kind of levels into just having pride in everything that you do and not only for the company and how you treat the equipment and how you treat the facilities and how you treat, you know, your job there how you treat the people around you, how you treat yourself. I think that there was a really high level of personal conviction there that is uncommon in uh, a lot of uh, people and things that I see uh, out there. You know, these guys, regardless of what you think about their more polarizing points of view on kind of current events and the things that are going down, those are, it's important to hear from people like that, even if you're on the opposite side to understand where they're coming from. And even if you don't end up agreeing with them, I think that you can, you can listen and you can maybe uh, internalize what they're thinking and, and still have your point of view. But regardless of those, I think that the thing that's really powerful about Sal and Andy and the leaders at the top of that company is that 
those guys hold the line relentlessly on what they believe down to the most minute, like Jason was talking about details in their gym at their facility. Every single plate goes away with the numbers facing the right direction. And Andy and Sal are no exception to that rule. In fact, they're the people who made the fucking rule. They made it that way and they started it and they hold the line on it and they are relentless in holding the line. They never let up. They are always on. And that's a huge, uh, was a huge learning for me. And that's a great example to set for everybody down the ladder because, you know, in terms of creating a culture, if the leaders at the top of the organization are not living the type of culture that they're preaching and they're not living it relentlessly to the, to the highest degree, there always will be cracks in the foundation for everybody else below them to point fingers at or to kind of chip away at what's going on. Those guys don't allow any of that. And it, it starts and ends with them. And I think they really embrace that more than anybody else I've seen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing that Sal brought up on, on the webinar and, you know, it relates to Jay, the reason you were there in the first place. And I think that it's, it's, it's been a big lesson for me in my career. And I think it's, it, it could be a big lesson to, to coaches, gym owners that are out there listening. And it's this idea of constantly surrounding yourself by, people, brands, you know, they're, they're elevating your game, right? Like you went out there because you wanted to be inspired by first form and what they're doing. You know, I love spending time with the two of you because you guys are going to elevate, you know, what I'm doing and I'm spending time, you know, I'm rubbing shoulders with people that, you know, are a business owner, a great coach. And I think that that's, you know, elevated me in my career, my time at NC fit. And I think that, you know, coaches out there, Jason, you mentioned this all the time, with gym owners specifically, you know, sometimes you feel like you're on this island, right? Like there's no other gym owner that you can go and talk to. And I think it takes a little bit of effort, but we can all find other business owners, other gym owners, mentors, people to just grab some coffee with, to ask questions. And if they have a more successful business than you, if they have something that you're aspiring to have, like that's the kind of person that I want to be around. Um, Cause there's so much you can learn by just like spending time with people that are doing things right. Just being a sponge and learning. Um, and I'm sure that that's what you got spending some time. So. Well, I want to add to that. So, you know, it's interesting in life, right? You meet people you get inspired by and maybe with MDV, you get inspired by his workouts and his work ethic. Maybe with you, you get inspired by your nutritional components, whatever, you don't have to be overall inspired by like the whole person, meaning like you could identify specific areas that they inspire you by. Maybe they inspire you really well from a business perspective, but in their personal life, they're lacking, right? And you could then look at that and say, okay, well, I'm going to be inspired by the business side, but I'm also going to learn from them in the sense that like maybe these other areas I'm not as inspired by, but there's someone else in my life that I'm really inspired by in that particular way. I want to emulate these characteristics of these people. And so when you go out to somewhere, or they're doing something really special, you, you walk in there with an open mind and saying, hey, what can I learn from this? And I think as a leader, as a business owner, or for anybody in their career path, it's identifying those people around you in business, in fitness, in family, in health, in whatever. And um, going out there really made an impact on me. Um, I do other things. So I'll just give you an example. Uh, we have had NC Fit now coming on like 13, 14 years. That's a long time. And Sometimes I feel like from a, from a trajectory, a leadership perspective, I haven't done everything that's in my power to do that. So today I actually have a call with um, Echelon Front Guys and with uh, Jocko and his team, right? To, to see what type of leadership skills can I pull from, from them to then impart on our team. 
Um, in addition, I have reconnected with my alma mater, San Clay University, to start sitting in on specific business courses. I'm actually doing one next week. And those are little things that I'm doing that we don't really talk about much that I'm trying to hold myself accountable to say, hey, what is my role at NC Fit? Okay, it's this, 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 this. What things am I doing on a regular basis to enhance that? And obviously, then I take that into my personal life with fitness and also my kids. But I just wanted to share that because I think that's important to just because you're the owner of the company or the president or whoever you are, there's always something, someone you can learn from. Always. And, you know, I think that there's also this and MDV, you've talked about this before. And I, I love your take on this. It's, you know, there's also sometimes people that are like, well, why are you trying so hard at that stuff? Like, why are you constantly working out? And why are you constantly eating well? And why are you constantly seeking out mentors and stuff like that? And sometimes it can feel like, you, you know, you're the strange one, you're the weird one for doing all those things. And I think it's such an important mindset to have an MDV. You said this, you know, perfectly. It's, you know, that's just my normal and I'm okay with that because I'm trying to go this way and that's perfectly okay. Has that always been kind of your approach to that stuff, MDV, or is that something that's, that's kind of evolved recently? Oh, well, you know, I think it's taken me a little while to fully embrace it. You know, I'm, I was having a conversation with somebody this morning and, and you know, we were talking a little bit about, hey, I'm not the same person that I was two weeks ago. I'm not the same person that I was two months ago. I'm not the same person I was two years ago, let alone two decades ago. You know, it, I think that, you, you know, I, I've come to embrace the fact that I'm a constantly evolving thing and that I'm trying to pull all these different lessons, not only from my personal interactions and the things that I've done in, in my life and my career and how I live my day-to-day -day life, but also watching people around me, like Jason was saying, who I'm inspired by to see how they handle certain situations or see what their opinions are. And also listen and look to people who I might not necessarily always uh, put at the top of my list, but maybe have differing opinions on things and try to open my mind up to different points of view on stuff and, and be less fundamental about like, hey, this is the only way that I can think about this one thing. Well, maybe there's a different perspective I haven't thought about just yet and being more open to that. But, you know, in terms of the way that I live my life, I've, I've really come to embrace the fact that I need habit and routine and discipline in order to just feel good personally. Like it, it's something that I need structure. My days need to start and end at certain times. They need to have certain routines and rituals. And it's not because, uh, you know, I'm trying to live my life like a, a secluded monk out there and in, in, in whatever, but it just sets me up for success. It doesn't make me feel out of control. It makes me feel really positive about the life that I'm living and the, and the things that I'm doing. So for other people, it might look extreme. It might look like, hey, this person can never relax. It can never... Hey, relaxing for me is waking up early and, and reading Daily Stoic and sipping coffee. That's also something that I need to do just to start my day off, right? So I don't feel like I'm out of control by the time my first meeting starts. Everybody's a little bit different in that regard. Generally, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, MDV, generally speaking, do you think people need uh -oh. more structured in their life? Or is, it, or is it just like, hey, different strokes for different folks? Oh gosh, this is a this is kind of like a uh, a little bit of a hot button issue. Um, I'm going to take the unpopular opinion on this. I think that we probably would all be a little better off with a little bit more structure and discipline in our lives. Um, you know, I think that's just my perspective on things. The way that I see things right now going down, the way that I see people, 
interacting. And in particular, and maybe it's not structure and discipline. Maybe the, the more important thing that I think is lacking is that people are lacking connection. People are lacking meaning or purpose. And I, I think that I find some of that through structure and discipline and being more focused, but maybe that that's not where you find connection and purpose. Maybe you find connection and purpose elsewhere, but I do think that that is a huge gap in causing a lot of friction and a lot of strife, not only for people personally, but how people interact and how people are looking at, um, you know, how we are interacting as a, a society here in the United States. I'm going to back you up. I, I, I agree. Um, but I, I, I like that take and that nuance of maybe it isn't so much structure and discipline and it's more, you know, meaning and, and fulfillment. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think I'm very similar to you in that respect that I love kind of the monotony, the repetition, the discipline, the structure. Um, so, and I'm know, the maybe, complete opposite. So I'm, I'm curious, Jay, what, what, what's yeah. your take? No. So like, dude, I, I obviously it's a good conversation because you have guys who, you know, someone will look and be like, oh, like MDV actually said, like, oh, you're too regimented, you're too this. But to him, that's what sets him up for success. And he's had to do deep evaluations probably over the years to say, hey, when, I'm, when I do this, I don't feel as good. When I do this, I feel better. I should continue to do this. For me, um, it's a little bit different, right? So I have certain things that I do on a regular basis. Like I wake up at similar times. I, I always get some type of movement or activity right first thing in the morning. That's just, but aside from that, everything else, I just kind of wing it for the most part. Um, and that's what works for me. Um, so typically um, I'll be on some type of fitness side by like by 6.30. Um, this morning I did a cool little thing in the garage. Uh, yesterday I rucked. And then throughout the duration of the day, I don't structure very many meetings. I'm more fly off the cuff when I try to have too much structure I resisted against it. And I remember one point, this was a couple of years ago, we hired someone who was kind of like kind of an assistant. I had never had one before. And she tried to structure the day and it just, I just resisted it. I didn't want to have that. And it didn't allow me to perform well. Um, and I think that uh, each person back to MDV's point is like, if it makes you feel better to have more structure, go for it. For me, I've tried structure. I've tried that. And I, I, I resisted against it. And I find more fulfillment by not having that structure, but having certain things throughout the duration of the day that I want to get accomplished, like get in some workouts, definitely spend time with the family and obviously work. Man, I, that just wouldn't cut it for me. It gives me, it gives me anxiety to think about it. But, you know, on, on that note, I have a, I have a question for, for both of you. And it's, you know, obviously we, we deal a lot with coaches and gym owners. And I, I think that, you know, sometimes there's definitely a place for like more structure and discipline in our space specifically and gym owners running their business and, and coaches trying to take, you know, their, their career seriously. And, you know, we've done pro dev, we've done courses for coaches. We obviously have the collective where we service gym owners, you know, where do you guys think is the line? Because I, I kind of go back and forth on this and, you know, we always say we have this white glove service, right? We're always going to be, super, super service forward for the collective members that we have. Where do you draw the line between that and also like instilling a bit of like resourcefulness and discipline to those gym owners and not trying to, you know, almost make it too easy for them. Does the, that make sense? Yeah. The, the, some of the cows get out and the dog is ringing the alarm. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to go down on that farm, huh? MDV? Yeah. yeah oh, you got like crazy, 40 crazy. animals there now. 
green acres down there. Hey, no, that's a really good question. He's, you know, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but you know, there's a, there's some comments that sometimes go up on the Facebook group and the group that we interact with where, you know, a lot of things people are looking for just to be completely spoon fed to them to the ultimate degree where they don't have to do anything. And it's just there for them. And I think in some senses, you know, as somebody who's running a business in which we do want to have white glove service, we kind of ask for some of that ourselves where, Hey, we are going to make this as easy as humanly possible for you. That's one of the intentions of our business with the NC fit collective is to make the whole programming, professional development, running an excellent business, making sure your product on the floor is bulletproof. The explanations behind your workouts are all there. Your coaches have all the tools that they need. We want to simplify that as much as possible for the gym owners. They don't have to fucking worry about it. I get it. But there is a line at which you have to go, okay, I can't literally FaceTime you right now and log you into the new portal and show you which button to click to go pull up the new thing that we just posted. There is a level of resourcefulness that I do think that everybody should have a own. It's almost like having an own personal level of responsibility about just how you do anything in life and just not being helpless. I think that that's the line for me is that the helplessness line. I want to assist people as much as humanly possible. I will go in above and beyond and anybody who's in the collective should know this by now. I will answer your questions in depth. If you have a legitimate question about why we do something, a movement, an approach, a practice, a, a philosophy, we're going to talk about it. We're going to have a really interesting discussion. But I think that there's a line where we go, all right, listen, you just got to like, my mom used to tell me when I was younger, my mom used to tell me this. Like, I'd be like, hey, mom, is there any more uh, orange juice? And she'd be like, well, go look in the fridge. And she'd be like, I'd be like, oh, uh, well, I kind of, I opened the door. I didn't see it. And she'd go, move the milk, you dummy. Like, it's like, it's like, you just have to take the milk carton out of the way and move to the side. And the orange juice is right there. You know, that's kind of like the level for me where I go, all right, you have to figure this out yourself. Long-winded way of answering that question. But that's <laughs> Jay, I'm curious your take, man, because it, it's tough, right? Like, yeah. like you know, we're, we're also operating a business with the collective, right? And we value every single membership and we want to earn their business every single day. I take that super seriously. So you obviously want to, Hey, if you have a question, I'll answer it. If you're having trouble getting on the app, like let's help you. If you can't figure out the password to the collective corner, like let's help you. But you know, if, if our underlying mission with the collective is to really set these gym owners up for success, at what point are we doing them a disservice by, you know, literally hand feeding them every single thing? And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that this is every collective member. I actually think it's, it's a very, very small minority, but you know, where, well, I mean, where you a bigger question, right? I mean, what you're referring to is, is kind of like more of a holistic uh, perspective, right? So like, for example, my kids, um, if they can't open up a, a, a sparkling water, right? But I know they can. Am I going to go over there and do that for them? Or am I going to let them try and figure it out? And for how long am I going to let them figure it out for? You know, uh, Ash has this thing like yesterday, I was trying to find something very similar. MVB was talking about, I was like, Hey, Ashley, I can't find Caden's shoes. And she goes, they're in the closet. I was like, I, they're not in the closet. She goes, I swear, Jason, if I come up there and I find them in the closet, I'm going to throw one at you or whatever. <laughs> and, and sure enough, they weren't in the closet, but it's a good example of how there, there there's got to be a little bit of ownership taken. I think from a collective perspective, I think things like getting on the app, doing those kind of, that's more of administrative type stuff. And I think that for us as a service forward business, we want to make sure that we answer those questions. And we have to know that this is not their top priority, right? Their top priority is X, Y, and Z. 
and we know the app, we know these things like the back of our hand. I think that's important to recognize. It's kind of like when you're a coach and a member comes in and you say, hey, can you find your heels in a squat or whatever it is? And you say it over and over again. To you, it's like second nature. You know you want to find it. But to them, it's brand new information. And so it's a little bit of an overload. So how much is that happening with our customers? Maybe. But I think from a business tools perspective, we need to be careful that oftentimes there's a reason why people blame programming for lack of results. It's because it's the one independent denominator that does not reflect back on the person and taking ownership in their fitness. So for example, if someone's not getting the results they're looking for, they're not going to look at nutrition or sleep or consistency. They're going to point to the program because it's the easiest one to say, hey, this thing that's outside of my control is impacting me. And so I think as owners, as, as just as anybody, you know, you got to start taking into consideration, um, you know, I, I guess where I'm trying to go with this is that we can't do everything for anybody. They have to take, they have to take, we can only provide the tools and then they have to take that step forward. And I think when we start selling it, like, Hey, join the collective, we're going to help, you know, double your business. That's not what we're saying. We're just going to provide you the tools that are going to help you get there. But you got to take that step and go implement them and go do the work to, to get after it. I, I, I agree with Jason. I think that like this is a, probably a conversation outside of just like membership in the collective or membership in the NC Fit gyms. I think that this comes down to, you know, personal level of responsibility that you have to have, like a basic personal level of responsibility and then uh, also it's a little bit of having in, in some senses, some self-respect in terms of like being able to help yourself through some of these things, because life isn't always going to be easy. In fact, life is very, very challenging, you know, and I think that's challenging to different degrees for people. You know, you, a lot of times, you know, I face problems that a lot of people would look at and go, well, that's not really a problem, but it's a big problem for me. And I think that, you know, when you get to that point, and you're, you're faced with adversity, you want to be able to have the tools and the resources at your disposal to not be crippled by that, to not be crushed by it. Whatever the point of adversity is you're facing, whether or not it's humongous or it's tiny or whatever, you get to that point, you want to be able to have some level of resourcefulness, some level of responsibility that you can surmount that or at least deal with it and not have it just shatter you completely. You know, if, Ariel, um, so my, my wife, Ariel, she uh, signed up for this business coach. And, you know, one of the things that they did during their course that I liked, and I'm, I'm not sure how this would, how this would do for something like the collective. So I'm curious your guys' thoughts, but one of the rules of asking questions in the Facebook group to where the coach would always then answer them is, did you Google it? Did you check the FAQ page? And only if you did those two, are you allowed to kind of of asked that question. And the whole thinking behind it was like teaching this idea of resourcefulness and really trying to make, you know, people be independent and not just always ask the questions and expect an answer right away. You know, would an approach like that actually teach something? Would there be some value there? Or is that, you know, kind of taking the, the, the easy way out and, and not being service forward? What do you guys think? I, I don't necessarily know if you need a formal rule about it. You know, I think that you know, in the business that we run, there are some confusing things that uh, we put out. You know, there are things that, you know, somebody might look at for the first time or we have a constant influx of new people. Uh, we have uh, not always the most kind of clear direction on things. We're trying to do the best that we can. But, you know, if we launch something new, 
you know, we're only human. We sometimes don't communicate in the clearest fashion. So people have questions about it or they, you know, the, the email went to their spam folder instead of going to the regular folder, you know, and um, I think it's good. Again, I, I think it's good practice to have these things nailed down for you personally. I, I, this is another line that I kind of want to draw. I don't want to tell you what level of personal responsibility to have. I, I think that it's better for you to develop those skills on your own. I can help you figure it out and I can teach you and I can show you what works for me. But like, I, I don't know if I would necessarily be down with being like, oh, you have to Google it first, yeah. check the FAQs and then go here. I would just say, hey, that's good practice. I think in general for you to have and, uh, you know, go from there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't necessarily like that approach because I'm always a big believer that the customer is always right, service forward approach, and also taking ownership from our side too. As much as we want to say, oh, go check the FAQs, this, that, the reality is if you get more than a few people, chances are we didn't communicate it effectively. So how often can we say, back to the whole coach member experience thing, right? We're saying, find your heels, find your heels, find your heels. Well, obviously, whatever we're saying is not connecting. And so we need to do a better job evaluating how well are we disseminating this information so that people actually pick it up. I think that's important in, in all areas, right? Like it's like having a conversation with your wife and you're saying something over and over, but it's not getting through. Well, pivot the conversation so you can have a good conversation. And, and reflecting on that, I think is really important when we're putting out new information. Like for example, we're launching a new program November in November called NC Flex. When we launch it, you know, the onus is on us to make sure that we clearly communicate that um, and if we don't, then we're going to get feedback about it. I actually disagree with Jason that the customer is always right. Woo! I think that that's, I think that that's too old fun school stuff. That's, old school. that's very old school. That's the oldest school it's that you too old school. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that fundamental rules like that are ridiculous. I, there are situations where okay. the customer is wrong a hundred percent of the time, you know, you can just call it an extreme. The customer is, uh, let's just say they're being racist or bigoted or whatever, and they're being completely, completely disrespectful or completely out of line. A hundred percent. We should fucking fire that customer. Okay. right? Away. Yes. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying, I think it's a slippery slope when you go, Hey, the customer is always right. No, there's a line just like there's a line for helplessness and personal responsibility. The customer for us, I have a tremendous respect for everybody in the collective who joins our service, who wants to participate as an active and positive member of the community. If you do not get down with that, we're not the right place for you. You're not, I'm not going to say that you're right because you're going to have a negative attitude or you have bad things to say about other people in the group. You're wrong. But I, I think that this is not the place for you and you should either be exited or you should find somewhere else where you get your product from. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's just my old school, uh, my old school, like uh, sales mentality, right. Where it's like, um, I kind of like lived by like the blackjack code. I mean, MDV, you play a little bit of blackjack, like we're, we're like, a, you know, the casino has like the book, right. And the book says on 15 hit or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, always play by the rules. Always play by the rules. And I was just a big believer. And yes, I've been burned for sure. But I would always just play by the rules, meaning the customer is always right. Like if they ask for a refund or whatever it is, eventually, right, if you play by the rules, you'll win. But every now and then you get burned in the process. But yes, there's definitely exceptions. That's probably not the right statement now that I think about it in, in, in full term. Because like, yeah, they're going in there and they're, you know, whatever, like you said, um, you know, belittling people that they're, they're not right. You know what I mean? 
Well, I think that this comes back to the first form conversation, to be honest. Like this is where I think those guys are so strong is that they, they are ridiculously consistent with their culture. Yeah. They have their set of beliefs and they go, this is who we are. And if you want to get down with this, and th- these are all beliefs that are uh, incredibly positive and powerful and can help people. And that, that's who they are at their core. I know that they say some wild stuff, but who they are at their core is you know, very loving, caring, inclusive people. They want to bring other like-minded people into that. And they want other people to experience that. And that's how they're being so successful in what they're doing. And I think that, you know, if you're a company or you're a business or you're a gym owner or a coach, if you have a strong sense of culture, people are going to be attracted to that. And they're going to want to participate in that. But the, if you're constantly trying to pull people into it who are grinding against you, or you have people in that who are constantly trying to chip away, the best thing that you can do is remove that person or remove yourself from that situation because it will be an anchor to you. It will drag you fucking down. And we've, we've learned this lesson the hard way, just being honest. So I think that, you know, in the collective, it's different. We, we have not had this kind of circumstance. 99.9% of the people who are in the collective and we have hundreds, if not thousands of people who are participating in that group. They're awesome. But, you know, we've been burned by people who have been on our coaching staff who have grind it against us every step of the way. And we try, we try, we try at some point, you just got to say, we got to pull the pin, man. This is not right. You know, on, on that note, how does a gym owner or any practical advice for either a gym owner, or this would actually apply to a personal trainer, nutrition coach. How do you fire a client? And like, how, how do you become okay with that when, Hey, you're a gym coming out of COVID, like hundred members really trying to get to that next. Like, how are you okay with you're listening to this conversation? You're like, man, there's this one member that like, I should probably cut ties with, like, how do you approach that? And, um, you know, Jay, have you ever had to do something like that? Yeah, we have, I mean, fortunately for me, uh, back in the back in the day, I-, I did it a few times, but now we have other people who are able to jump into that position who have more of a relationship with that person. Um, you know, we talk about this idea of seagull management where I've talked about this before, where, you know, what I used to do is I'd go into a gym and I'd be like a seagull. This is what they say. You fly in, you provide some level of feedback, normally negative, and you leave. And it's like a seagull flying in, shitting on people and then taking off. And it's not cool. And I ended up doing this uh, for a while and I had to kind of check myself. I remember this guy, his name's Mike Cordano, told me about this theory because I didn't have the same rapport and relationship with some of these staff. I would just come in maybe once a week, whatever. I would provide some feedback that I thought was constructive, but it wasn't being taken that way because they didn't see me enough. And I just, it kind of looked like I was coming in and just raining on their parade and being really hard when I was really trying to be constructive. But because I didn't have that relationship, it came off polarizing. Same thing goes with the membership, right? If you have a member who's consistently talking to you and you have a good rapport with this person, but it's a toxic one, I think it's time where you just sit them down privately and say, hey, I think we just might be on two different wavelengths. Um, where we've seen it happen is that when we make changes and adjustments, normally those people will find their way out, normally. Um, like for example, if you have a competition team that's in the corner snatching while you're trying to coach and you then say, hey, there's no more open gym during class times, typically those people will find a different place to go do that out at another gym. That's what I've found, but I think the key is having a good relationship, good or bad, but at least you have a rapport and relationship before you have that conversation. Otherwise it comes off unauthentic and really weird. 
And I, when you I, make those changes, holding the line, right? Yeah, it's like, tough. What, right? Like when you make those changes and you're like, hey, I'm doing this for the good of my community and it's going to kind of push those people out or have them change. There's no, you know, making exceptions because then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Sorry. Yeah. Be, guys. No, no, no. That's, I think it's a great point. I was going to say, I think sh- strong enough cultures become self-selecting where it becomes really hard to, if you are grinding against this really kind of forward momentum of a strong culture, you will feel uncomfortable in that. And you probably won't want to be there anymore. That's a self-selecting type of system. It also becomes very obvious that there are people who are on the fringe who, you know, I I might have to have a couple of conversations with this this person. They're a good person. I want to pull them in. Or there are people who are on the fringe where you go, this person is not really getting down with anything I'm saying. They don't believe in the same things I believe in, and they are going the opposite direction. And I have to have a conversation with that person about, hey, this is probably not a great fit. But I I do think that if you're talking about somebody who's a customer or you're talking about somebody who's a coach, you do have to give them the benefit of the the doubt. It shouldn't just be a snap decision where it's like this person has one bad day and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, get the fuck out. No, that's not the way that you should do it. You should recognize that, hey, there's something up here. There's something wrong right now. And I need to, as the owner or the leader, I need to intervene. I need to have a one-on-one conversation with the person. I need to find out what's up. They might be going through the most difficult time in their life. And if you had added fuel to that fire, you might have just kind of pulled the ripcord on everything that they're all about and ruined a lot more than just their job or their gym membership or whatever. So, you know, sit down, have a one-on-one conversation, actually come from a place of care, ask them some questions. And if they're, if you get to the point in the conversation where they're just like, man, I'm just not happy here. I mean, I, I don't like what you're doing. I, I think that this is bullshit. I think that the, you know, your coaches suck, whatever. That might be the opportunity for you to say, well, listen, I, you'd probably be happy, happier elsewhere. And that's ultimately what I want for you. I want you to go somewhere where you're going to enjoy the experience. And I want the experience here to be great. Unfortunately, right now, it doesn't seem like we're at a place where we can find a common ground. So I think the best path forward is for you to not be a member here anymore. That might not be the first conversation, by the way, that might be conversation two or conversation three. But I think the ultimate point there is that it's not a snap decision. It's unless it's like a crazy, uh, obvious, obviously a type of event where it is a snap decision, but have a conversation, try to come from a place of care, talk to the person and then see whether or not you have to make that decision. You know, we've, we've been talking a lot about, you know, having the right people in your community, in your circle, on your team, you know, from, from a business gym owner, you know, hiring perspective, you know, where Jay MDV, I'm curious your thoughts too. Where does hiring externally versus like really just promoting from within fit into that? Like, is there a way to hire externally, you know, a head coach and maintain the culture you have? Um, I know that, you know, promoting within is, is easier said than done um, sometimes, but I don't know, where, where do you guys fall on that? Like, is there a place for both? Is it one better than the other? I'd prefer to start by uh, elevating people currently on the team. That would, that would be my, my preference is because I think it's good for the team to see that there's growth potential, that they're a step above a little bit because they've been in the organization for a while. They understand the culture. Um, I think you start there. But then if you can't identify a good fit, obviously you need to go out to a greater public. For example, um, uh, you know, you talk about level of care. So we're, we're taking over a gym in Pleasanton basically right now. And there's a group that has a barbell club a couple days a week. And there's a small group, you know, four or five people, but they're really into it. And that's what they love. And so we had to go to them, 
you know, and have multiple conversations of staff at the current location. And I'm going to, I'm actually going there tomorrow to go have more conversations to let them know that, you know, even though this class might be going away, we would still love you to be a part of the culture of the community and the classes. But I think once they see how much you care, they'll, they'll buy more into the overall process instead of just saying, Hey, class is canceled. Forget you. I think back to MVV's point. It's like a long going conversation that needs to happen. But, but to the point of hires, you know, for that particular location, we hired from within and we had someone who was available. They were going to do a great job. And I'd rather show other people in our organization that we're going to elevate our team. But then we couldn't fulfill the full schedule. So we identified people outside the organization to help with the rest of the schedule. That ended up being a perfect mix because now we're pulling in these new people on a part-time basis and we're letting them get indoctrinated into how the culture we want to have. And then hopefully those people will eventually rise up and become bigger, bigger, bigger faces. Now, eventually, if you have a, a job that you don't have anybody qualified for, that's a completely different case. Um, you know, I would recommend putting out a job, job post, get someone part-time, see how they do. And then, and then after a probation period, get them full on. I want to always hire the best person for the job. Mm. Uh, I, I care less whether or not they Mike, come. That's, that's, a, that's a mic drop. That's a good one. Yes. I don't care. I, yes. It's good. I, I just, it's just as true. I think that, you know, and for me, the best person for the job not only has to have a certain level of qualification based on the job that I'm hiring for, they have to have skills. That's almost like just fucking showing up. Like, I need you to have the skills to be able to do the job. Duh. Yeah. I, you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be looking at you if you didn't have the skills, but even the, the bigger part of this is, does this person get it? Do they understand what we're all about? Do they understand what the role is all about? Do they understand the commitment level that's involved in it? Do they have the intangible factors that I know they're going to need to be successful in this role? Take, for example, hiring a new coach. If I'm looking at a pool of candidates internally, and let's say some of them are, you know, current members or some of them are interns or front desk staff, if they don't have the it factor that I know at this point in my career, we need to have for the person taking this job at the jump, or I don't think that they're able to tap into that. There's no reason why I should look to that pool of people. It's just going to be an uphill battle the whole time. It's going to take too long. They maybe can develop it over time, but for me, what I need them to have, I need to have them have them have a certain level of skill and qualification that they can read in any fucking book and they're available online and go get the certification, but they have to have a certain level of understanding of the intangibles that we're looking for. They have to be able to tap into that at the outset, maybe not master them at the outset, but at least show me that you have the potential for that. Because if you're not showing me you have the potential for it, why am I going to go out of my way to try and bend over backwards to show you what these things are? I'm going to tell you what I need, but if you can't express them, it's, 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 it's almost too much work than it's worth. That makes sense. I was listening to um, the episode of the intro podcast. Check that out with the guru. And you guys were um, talking oh, about yeah, hiring wow. coaches. That thing got me fired up, man. But one thing that um, you just reminded me of now, when you guys were talking about hiring coaches and you just mentioned it now, like, you know, within 30 seconds of talking to someone, like, you know, if they have that it factor and I, I know what you mean. And I think that I've also gotten better at recognizing, you know, on an interview or talking to someone, like if, if, if they have that it factor, but, you know, how can someone that maybe hasn't you know been able to sniff that out in an interview process how can you refine that skill um or or how can you try to put into words what it is that you're looking for in those first 30 seconds 
First, I think it comes down to having a strong understanding of what's important to you and what's important to your organization. It might be different for other organizations. Things that are important to us are a certain level of professionalism, how you treat the craft, a certain level of positivity, and a certain level of energy. We're looking for those three things. If you don't come into the interview expressing those three things, it's probably not going to turn out very well. That might be very different for what Dale's looking for at Guru Fitness or what they're looking for down the road at X, Y, or Z Fitness have a strong, really strong understanding shout out, shout out the last and coffee. start to be able to recognize it, not only in people who you're interviewing for the job, but just fucking people who you interact with on an everyday basis, go and find other people and start talking to them. What makes the person who makes your uh, latte at, uh, uh, at um, Dutch bros, or hopefully you're drinking last port coffee company product placement, <laughs> but maybe what you'll do is you'll start to identify traits and what makes that person make you feel a certain way. And then what you'll do is you'll drive your car, you'll drive it down to the car wash and you're going to interact with somebody over there. Who's ha who's a fucking pain in the ass. 99.9% .9 of the time, you're going to go, what are the traits in this person that make me feel this way? And then when you're looking to bring people on the team, you can start to connect the dots because uh, you know, honestly, professionalism, positivity, and energy, when anybody is doing those three things combined, you can find, you're going to get fired up. I don't care if they're mopping floors. I don't care if they're cleaning your car. I don't care if they're making your coffee or coaching your class. And people who are doing those are typically people that stand out and you're like, that person has it. So that's my answer there. Jay. Hey, Gabe, I was just going to say, uh, how's that internet going over there in the ranch? You, you kind of cutting in and out a little bit, buddy. Uh, you're, you're, how's, how's the farm life right now? I just, I just had to ask before we close this out. Jay loves farm life. I love, Dude, I, I love listening to the farm life because it's so far <laughs> outside the scope of what I know. You know, I've, here's the thing. I, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Like I love the discipline playing the repetition and like, man, there's nothing more like regimented than having to raise a bunch of animals, you know, like it, it's a lot of hard work, but I've become so like crazy passionate about nutrition and food, where it comes from. And to be able to marry, like having full control over that with something that like requires so much discipline and so much, just like literally every single day, rain, shine, tired, got good sleep, didn't get good sleep. Like certain things need to get done. Like there's probably 20 animals out there that we're caring for right now, in addition to everything else we have going. And I, I just, I love it. Like it's, it's, it's the amount of like work and structure that's in line with stuff that I'm super passionate about that at least so far, I'm still loving it. And, and there he and goes, awesome. and, you know, pigs processed. Did the internet shit out? Yeah, a little bit. It's all good, man. You're in the middle of uh, Texas with your ranch. But we got our first batch of pork out, man. And it is, I don't know if it's just like mental because like, you know, a lot of work went into that pork, but man, nothing has ever tasted that good. Well, ever. speaking of which, we got some, we had a couple entrepreneurs here, you know, and it's been really fun for me to see. And I think these, these conversations are always great. I think a pivot from coaching and business and whatnot, but you know, MDV has got his coffee uh, company with, uh, along with his wife, Mindy. Um, and she has her own, you know, thing going on, which is great. And then, you know, Gabe, same thing, right? You and, uh, you and Ariel have basically like this farm concept going on with, with eventual at what farmer's markets you're going to go to. And then she has her own business. It's, it's very fun for me to see, right? Because, um, you know, even though you guys are a major, major part of NC fit and that's obviously like, you know, your full-time commitment, you also have these other things that provide you a level of fulfillment. It's a lot of fun for me to see 
to, and I think, it, I think it, it's te- the lessons that you're going to learn through that are going to be able to carry into what we're doing at NC fit. So it's, it's, it's all good all overall. Hell yeah. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little curveball here. Are we doing sober October? Are we, are we going to do 31 days of no booze and no processed foods? Jason? Is that, is that October? Is that yeah, October's tomorrow? <laughs> Wait, does it count if it's my birthday on the second? Oh my gosh. The, Jason's birthday is like the litmus test for every like major <laughs> event that we have to have. You can start on October 3rd if you want, but you got to go three days past. I got to go to like the, the November 3rd. Well, now I got the rogue invitational coming up at the oh end of the month. God. So, these, oh, no, no, no. Like I'm not saying I have to drink. I'm saying, I'm just, <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting off the, the, you know, the carbs a little bit and trying to get a little, little jacked before, uh, before the invitational. So maybe we have to get off the carbs a little bit, the, the booze. Oh, man. No, I think it's a, it's a good uh, test for people. You know, booze isn't something that I, personally struggle with, but I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people do. And, you know, even a couple of drinks or three or four drinks per week, it can be, take that out of your, your diet or your routine. And it can feel a little different for, for a while, but we should talk about that on another episode because like for, for me and and like my wife and not, not my, not my kids, obviously, but there's a, (laughs) there's a therapeutic, there's a, there's a social component to it. Right. So like Maybe at night, you know, you open a bottle of Pinot and you're having a conversation, you're talking about the day and there's something like social about that. Um, and then when you get rid of that, it's like, well, it's not the same drinking a glass of water. And so I think that's a cool subject to talk about for sure. Dave? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think that for a lot of people, and, and I'm not saying that this is your case specifically, but, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where, you know, like for kids, it's social media, right? Like they're learning to only have mm. human interaction through a screen. And for a lot of adults, it's like, you know, the social component needs a little bit of lubricant for it to happen. And we're like, we're losing the ability to have like deep conversations loosen up, like without it. Um, so I, I, I think this stuff is powerful and it's, it's interesting what different people, you know, kind of lean on, on, on booze for. Um, I'm down for sober October. I'm going to join Jason though and start on the third. Cause we have a wedding on the second, <laughs> um, but, uh, October ish sober October from the third to the third. Oh man. I think well, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good test. You know, I think the processed food part is going to be uh, a lot more difficult. I think for a lot of people, because, you know, if you really get down to brass tacks and you are super strict on that, you're going to have to remove a lot of things from your diet um, and, and solely eat whole foods, which is tough for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't, might not have access to it, which I know is another conversation. But yeah, the, the booze conversation is an interesting one, man. Uh, I think that we should probably set up some more time to talk about that. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, we have a call with uh, we have a call with our team coming up in a couple of minutes. But I think these kind of conversations are a lot of fun. And I think that you know, if someone's a collective member, an NC Fit athlete, just someone who follows the brand, um, to you know, we want to kind of start talking about more subjects. I'll start putting out some more Q and A type stuff on uh, on Instagram, and maybe pull some of those into these conversations. I think the idea is just to allow people to kind of see underneath the hood a little bit more. We're not just robotic fitness people you know we have lives we have things going on um and and we have opinions on specific subjects i think that's really important to share uh with with other people for sure now i love this let's do it more often all right who's wrapping it up gabe that's it that's it we'll see you guys hopefully what once a week once every two weeks yeah. once a month Ooh, weekly Let's deliverables not- my favorite the, the weekly right. deliverables is the way to go <laughs> All right. So hopefully we'll see you guys next week. MDV, 
Thank you. Check out the intro. Jason, thanks again. Man needs no intro. We'll see you guys in a bit. See ya. Oh.